When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to Still Current Network. Uh, I'm your host, Daniel, along with Shannon White. This is The Hangover. How you doing, Shannon? I'm doing great, Daniel. Uh, it's good to be back with Brother Jay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, it's been a uh, it's been a long week, man. Or a little bit of a week and a half, so to speak, already. We have, uh, uh, we have the, uh, the little one, man, and she's not been keeping us up late, but... You know, I usually to keep uh, uh, medications to go to sleep, and I haven't been able to take those. So my <laughs> nights have been not so great, yes, so to speak. But um, dude, it's been a blessing this whole week and a half with the with the little girl, man. Uh, I'm just so excited about her. Uh, but well, we're we're just thrilled and and have a, a new member of Stiller's Nation. Oh, for sure, for sure. So, uh, you know, since the last time we spoke, a, a new rule just kind of went into place. We kind of talked about it last week. Uh, it uh, now seems that the uh, NFL is going to be allowing three quarterbacks um, and to to be dressed on, 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 on not affect your your roster, so to speak. Do you, you, you know how it went down. Could you explain that a little bit better for us? Well, we seen last uh, NFC playoffs during the uh, NFC championship game. When the Eagles and the 49ers, it was, you know, everybody was anticipating that game. And the two probably top rosters, at least in the NFC, if not the NFL from top to bottom. And the game was decided because of the quarterback position. You know, not just the play of the quarterback position, but the injuries to the quarterback position. Because Brock Purdy was injured right in the first quarter. And... They went to their backup, the Niners did, and then he was injured as well. So they were forced to go back to Brock Purdy, who the rest of the game, all he could really do was hand off. And it just totally impacted the NFC Championship game. So they went to the rule now that you could dress three quarterbacks Uh to try to prevent that from happening again. And the third quarterback cannot play unless the first two quarterbacks are injured and out of the game. Gotcha. But if but you know he would be there in a case like what happened last year to the Niners, they could have went to their third quarterback, and they would have had at least somebody capable of throwing the ball. 
Right, right. Now, in pre- the previous time that this rule was in place, and I know we spoke about it earlier, but for those that, that don't know, um, it wouldn't be the same, whereas if the third quarterback, once they enter the game, the first two QBs couldn't come back into the game, or is it still that, does that rule still apply? Yes, as, as far as I know. I have not read the whole – I was just excited that they were going to allow this now. But yeah. as far as I know, that third quarterback cannot play unless he's the only option. So right. you couldn't just have that third quarterback and say, well, the first two guys ain't doing very good, so I'm going to play the third quarterback. That's not how I understand the rule. Got you, got you. So let's just say, like, for instance, you have your – First quarterback's out. He's in the protocol. Second quarterback goes down uh, with a uh, with an ankle rolled up. So the third QB comes in while QB two is out. Does that mean that third QB can come back out once QB two is ready to come back in, or does they have to wait until the fourth quarter? Oh, you said you didn't know that, right? No, I'm not sure. And if the first quarterback was out due to protocol, right? Then then he wouldn't even be dressed for that game, right? That's true. So it's really going to depend on injuries rather than effectiveness. So they're trying to keep a competitive balance so that you don't have another repeat of the NFC Championship game. Gotcha, yeah. Yeah, and and, and I think it's it's probably the smarter decision to do so. You know, you really don't want to see that. Uh, You know, you want to keep, you know, the – the level of performance that's going to be out mm-hmm. there, you know, to the to the standard of what people are expecting, especially in the playoff game. And so uh, I like the rule. Um, perhaps maybe yes. that is a reason why uh, Mason Rudolph was brought back. You know, <laughs> we spoke about him being back last week and that maybe perhaps this was going to be a reason as to why. Uh, in other news, the Pittsburgh Steelers have released a trio of players in Tate Crowder uh Iminki Igabu and Master Teague and have signed Toby and Dukley uh, linebacker. You know, they already had a spot open on the roster uh, as far as bringing in a new player. Are you surprised with the players that they did release and only um, replacing them with one? Do you think that there's something going on there, so to speak? Every time the Steelers this offseason have done something that kind of surprised us, we usually receive the answer in a day or two. So at this point, yes, because the Steelers presently, I think officially have 87 players and they could take 90 players into OTAs tomorrow. So I was kind of expecting when that report came out around noon, I was expecting to see maybe a transaction or two, but when they released Jarvis Jones, I was shocked because, you know, they really don't have any depth on the edge the way it is, and they released him. Well, then, you know, a couple weeks later, it came out that he was involved in a domestic dispute. So then it made sense. So I'm not saying that there's some legal issues or anything with these players, but they released three and picked up one. So they really cleared two positions which was not necessary because, as you said, they already had one position still open. So uh, Master Teague, a lot of people thought he might really compete for the running back three position this year. And so to release him now, the main surprise to me with him and Crowder is just the timing. But maybe they 
you know, come to a mutual agreement between the Steelers front office and the players, and they realized that they wasn't a good fit and go ahead and cut your losses now, give them a chance to try to sign on somewhere else for OTAs. Right. That makes sense. But now there's a, a few or more than a few uh, <laughs> slots open left on the team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, do you see the Pittsburgh? Well, obviously I think the Pittsburgh Steelers will be filling those slots pretty you know, early, but what kind of positions do you think that they're going to be addressing there? What positions do you think that are left on the table? I, I think that there might be still an opening for edge and inside linebacker. Personally, I know I read an article of yours that you just wrote talking about Marvin Leal possibly moving out to the edge. Uh, is that something that could affect the positioning or the remaining slots that are left on the, uh, you know, for the team right now for the 90 man roster? Oh yeah. There's uh, I agree that totally that edge inside linebacker and running back is still uh, areas that I think they were, were going to want to bring in somebody. Now, whether that's a, an undrafted free agent, whether it's somebody that, you know, as a street free agent, um, there's different people. I, I read uh, one article um, talking about uh, Dion, um, Dion Jones mm-hmm. that used to play for the Atlanta Falcons, an inside linebacker. And, um, Talking about he might be a possible fit for the Steelers, you know, as an off-ball linebacker. I've looked through the guys left out there. I've not seen anything that really jumps out, you know, other than the guys we've talked about, like Van Noy. But uh, and then of course they they brought in Quan Alexander, but nothing happened there. So maybe they're still trying to to get some the contract just worded just right, and uh, before they do it, give them an invite to. Uh, or sign them off the street. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. In in other news, Big Ben had his podcast. He had uh, none other than Kenny Pickett on on there. There's a little bit of controversy spewing up uh, towards the end of that podcast. You know, Big Ben uh, admits to perhaps not being a uh, fan of Kenny Pickett early on, uh, for his own personal reasons and and whatnot but that he grew to really root for him. Uh, what were your thoughts? Well, first and foremost, did you get a chance to, to catch the podcast, uh, uh, Big Ben's podcast? And what were your thoughts, if you did, uh, on how candid he was in, in his conversation with Kenny? I've seen just parts of it. Um, okay. I see, you know, like the 10 minutes where this whole controversy, well, <laughs> it, it isn't really even a controversy. It's what you do about nothing. Right. Um, He's just being honest. Now, Ben has got in trouble for years for being honest, for, you know, telling the truth, whether it be in uh, post-game interviews, whether it be on his radio show. So when he decided he was going to do the podcast, I was like, well, it's coming. And it took longer than I figured. I figured that he would have said something. I know he said something about Lamar Jackson Nobody feared Jackson for his pass, and they feared his legs. And people tried to make it into something. But thankfully, it kind of dissipated quickly. Mm-hmm. This conversation, he praised Kenny Pickett. He was being honest. Nobody wants to feel replaceable. We all want to somehow believe we're irreplaceable. Right. And here's a guy who give 18 years to one organization, 
who bleeds black and gold, loves the Pittsburgh Steelers, the ultimate competitor. He knew what he was dealing with and what he was working with his last few seasons in Pittsburgh. And they had a real lack of talent. Now, if because his salary come off the books, now they're having money where they can replenish the talent. If in his first year in retirement, Trubisky or Pickett would have came in last year and, you know, where they did get some additional talent, let's say James Daniels and Mason Cole and players like that. Then everybody would have been like, well, see, Ben was holding them back. No great player wants to feel like that. Nobody wants to feel like their legacy has been tarnished. Now, is that right? I mean, I know he wants the Steelers to do good, and he loves the Steelers, but he's just being honest, and I admire that honesty. Ben is not a people person. He's never claimed to be a people person. That's not who he is. He's a competitor. He was a great player. I think he's a, he's a good uh, husband and father. Uh, and now, of course, he wasn't always. But the bottom line is he was just being honest. And people, if you love being like I do, you just say, hey, it shows growth. It shows maturity. And I value that and appreciate that honesty. If you never like being because you can never get past the arrogance of his youth, you're going to look at it at a whole different way. You know, so it's basically what you were before this happened going into this situation is how you view it. So to me, it was nothing. You know, it could have also been the beer talk, and it was towards the end of the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) They had already been drinking a bit, start talking about your feelings. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) we've all been there, you know what I'm saying? And so, uh, (laughs) you know, I I thought, I I thought similar things, you know, it was uh, for me, I, you know, he was being candid. He was being honest about it and kind of, mm-hmm. you know, acknowledging to to Kenny that, um, you know, he even won him over, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Big Ben being that, um, you know, franchise guy that's been there for almost two decades and as, as all the records and everything else. I mean, one thing that anybody ever says about him is that he's a huge competitor that knows him personally. And so I, I know that anybody out there if they were somebody that was taking their position or or whatnot you'd probably have a little bit of like man i hope they don't do as good as me type of feeling you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. and so you know to me it wasn't a big deal either um you know he talked about you know other things that he did talk about was just that like big ben you know also realized that him going into the Pittsburgh Steelers was a completely different situation than what Kenny Pickett was going into, you know, whereas, you know, Ben was the rookie was surrounded by veterans and players that already just were basically a quarterback away. And that, you know, even at that could win without that quarterback position. It just didn't need him to lose the game as to where, Pickett is coming into a situation when there's just nothing but young players around him looking at him as to being a leader. Uh, You know, obviously, uh, you know, Big Ben probably had a better situation than what Kenny Pickett did. But, you know, seeing what Kenny Pickett was able to do last season and that second half of the season, to me, kind of tells you that he's going to be the next guy. 
And I think Ben acknowledges that. Do you, do you see that same type of um, trajectory for Kenny Pickett? I can't help, but when I see Kenny Pickett, all I think about is Joe Montana. And I've thought <laughs> that way about Joe Burrows as well, and I've said so. But I remember Montana being such a winner at Notre Dame, just clutch. Well, that was his nickname was Mr. Clutch, you know, when he got in, when he was in the NFL. Uh, Joe Cool and, and you know, Mr. Clutch. And when he – that's what you see. Montana had one of the weaker arms uh, when he was at the Combine at, at during back in that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and people questioned – you know, they questioned what he was going to be at the NFL level. And he, so he didn't get drafted until the third round. But Joe Montana, if you watched him, he had all the characteristics and attributes of a competitor – and a winner. And he was just so cool and calm, even under a heavy rush and pressure. And he had enough mobility, but he wasn't big. And he was so similar to Kenny. Uh, Terry Bradshaw has already spoken out about uh, thinking that Kenny Pickett could potentially be that next guy there in Pittsburgh. Ben's also giving him his endorsement. A lot of people just want to look at the statistics. But if you actually look at the growth, the level of maturity. One thing I want to say is if you think about Ben's situation, when he came into it, Pickett, Ben was like a 21 year old superstar athlete, you know, just a freak of nature. Kenny Pickett's never been a freak of nature. He come in almost 24 years old and he comes into the NFL as an older fifth year guy. And he was definitely much more mature and, and, that's what the Steelers team needed last year. And he really stepped in and filled a lot of that maturity and leadership roles that the Steelers needed. So the circumstances were totally different, but I've seen enough potential. Now it's up to pick it to turn potential into production, but I've seen enough potential with, with those qualities. You know, you cannot coach clutch. Guys have it or they don't, and we've seen that. You know, I've talked recently about Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers played in a weak division in the NFC that the Packers owned. Owned. They always had a number one or number two seed because they had, you know, 13 and three, 12 and four records. Again, part of it for playing in that division. He has blown home field advantage so many times through the years. The dude has one Super Bowl, and he should kiss Richard Mendenhall's pitcher every night before he goes to bed. Because without Mendenhall, I think that he wouldn't have won that Super Bowl. So um, he's a great, great player during the regular season. He's great at putting up statistics. But you can't say he's an ultimate winner or the ultimate competitor. And I think the Jets are going to figure that out this season. But, But back to Kenny Pickett. I don't care if he's ever considered a top five quarterback. If he's just in the top 10, I'm fine with that because I care about winning. Mm -hmm. And I believe that he is a winner. He's a competitor. He's clutching. He'll figure out a way to get it done. And that is how you win championships. It doesn't have to be with a guy putting up 5,000 yards a season. 100%. 100%. I mean, even when Ben was winning his, you know, the Super Bowls, those weren't his best years statistically as no. a quarterback. 
You know, it was much later when he was part of the Killer Bees that he was putting up the statistical numbers of a uh, of a Hall of Fame quarterback. You know, when he was winning Super Bowls, in fact, the first Super Bowl that he won, uh, many can argue that they won in spite of Ben Roethlisberger against the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, and so with that said, though, you know, the rest of his career has been written. He did an amazing job. He was a great quarterback. And, you know, to me, you know, I guess one of the things that that, that Ben had stated was that he didn't want people to think like, um, you know, Ben who, right? Because, you yeah, know, Kenny yeah. Pickett coming in and being a, mm-hmm. a great player. And to me, I don't, I don't think that that could have been accomplished in just one season. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, Kenny Pickett's going to have to put up some numbers and put up some hardware to ever be in that, you know, realm, so to speak. So, uh, to me, at least, I think uh, Big Ben's legacy, as far as being a Pittsburgh Steeler, is uh, is, is going to be there. It's going to be all right. Yep. Um, you know, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, on the other side, we're going to talk about, you know, five things we want to see, so to speak, uh, out of OTAs or what we're looking forward to seeing in OTAs. Uh, don't go anywhere. We're just going to have a few quick words from our sponsors on the YouTube side. Just stand still. Welcome back, everybody. Today we're talking about, uh, you know, a few things that we want to see in OTAs. OTA starts tomorrow. Um, But before we start that, I do want to remind everybody, especially here on YouTube, if you're not checking out the Steel Curtain Network on the audio side, you know, we're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, you know, you get a lot more content, um, you know, get a lot more audio only content. A lot of folks ask about where's Tony D, where's Tony Defio. He's on the audio side. You can go check him out. He still has content coming out. Um, you know, I have a audio only podcast that comes out on Saturdays. So go check him out. Go check him out. Um, before we start, Shannon, do you have anything, you know, articles or anything brewing that you want to you know, throw out there for everybody? Well, I am working on a Mesa Cole article. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've talked a lot about. Samalu and his addition, Broderick Jones, and what it's going to mean to the offensive line. And last year, James Daniels came in, and he's going to combine with Samalu to give the Steelers what I think is the best guard tandem in the NFL. But everybody's kind of overlooking the contributions of Mason Cole, and a lot of people were saying, you know, they might upgrade there at center. But I think that Mason Cole, Jason Kelsey, the the Eagles' great center, who came back this year to have to take one more run in the Super Bowl, he talked about Samalu and, and what a great player the Steelers were getting, and how it may be the smartest player he ever played with. So not only was Samalu help Broderick Jones or Dan Moore, you know whoever's playing at left tackle. He's also going to help and work in unison with Mason Cole. So Cole is going to also benefit from his presence. And I think Cole is going to take, is going to have an even stronger year this year. So that's, I'm just going to cover a couple of observations like that in the article. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. In fact, Kenny Pickett brought up Mason Cole and having a great relationship. I know I think somebody uh, often puts it, does Mason Cole having a great relationship with KPA give him an advantage? I think it does. 
you know, you know, there's yep. chemistry, there's, um, uh, you know, that team building that, that you have and, and getting to know each other and trust each other, you know, is on and off the field as well. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Kenny Pickett brought that up. He brought up that he had a great relationship with, with, um, with Mason. And, um, you know, he also alluded to, you know, that Ben probably is aware of how important that is because of his relationship with Pouncey. Um, I'm fairly positive it wasn't with Kendra Green that he was referring to. Yeah. And so, <laughs> so I'm fairly positive he was referring to Pounce. Uh, you know, I, I think it is important. It's highly important. And, you know, Mason Cole did a great job last season, but he also did a lot of it, you know, on one leg. He had an injury yeah. to his lower leg that, you know, um, maybe perhaps we didn't see the best of him, you know, still it's that's still to come, so to speak. Uh, but you know, that transitioning to what's going to be happening tomorrow, OTAs will be coming in, you know, let's talk about some positions or players that we're excited to see or, or, you know, uh, battles that we're looking forward to. What's your first, you know, what's the first thing that you're hoping to see when it comes to OTAs? Well, you know, there's no real contact yet. So they're not going to be out with the pads on. And so the defense can, they can shine some, but especially your cornerbacks. Mm -hmm. So I'm just wanting to see uh, how they look in their coverages. Um, Just, are they going to let Porter, are they going to let Trice, Peterson, Wallace, are they going to let these guys get up and press more? Um, and then on the other side of the field, I'm, I'm looking to see the skill position guys because, you know, even if they're going maybe not totally full speed, you you can tell if a guy like Calvin Austin, I mean, mm-hmm. you can tell that kind of speed, man. That just plays. It shows up. Uh, you know, he's going to turn the corner on guys. He's going to run away from guys. I'm, I'm wanting to see if he's totally healthy. Um, if the Steelers – start using him in some kick return drills or punt return drills, stuff of that nature. Right. Because in a perfect world, you wouldn't have to keep a couple of these guys they brought in to be special teamers only and like running back four or wide receiver six to have a kick returner. It would be great if Calvin Austin could assume those duties and give the Steelers that speed factor on the field. So those are the things I'm really looking for at the beginning of OTAs. Gotcha. See, yeah, for me, I'm excited to see if uh, where they're going to line Broderick Jones up for the most part. Mm-hmm. You know, is he going to be in the left, left tackle, you know, slot majority of, of OTAs throughout his practice? Are they going to move him around? Is Dan Morgan automatically get the, uh, the nod as the starter, you know, come day one of OTAs? You know, a lot of us assumed – Last season that maybe perhaps, um, you know, with the quarterback position with Mitch Trubisky, Mason Rudolph and Kenny Pickett kind of battling it out. You know, we thought there would be more of a rotation there and there really wasn't. And there was some surprises there as far as who was first, who was second, who was third. And maybe perhaps there's no secret this year that they want a, uh, you know, their left tackle or or even uh, JPJ, Joy Porter Jr., if he's going to be, you know, starting on the outside if they're going to have somebody else you know you know putting in for him so i'm excited about those two positions i'm also excited like you mentioned the wide receiver group like who's going to be lining up in the slot who's going to be uh, the primary slot guy where is uh robin is it alan robinson 
Where is he going to be lining up at? Is he also going to be a slot guy? Is he going to be taking time away from Deontay? Uh, things of that nature. And so those are the positions that I'm uh, I'm extremely excited about. Do you, do you have any predictions as far as um, who starts at left tackle for OTAs? Well, I've said it in an article, but I do not believe that you draft, you move up in the draft to take a Broderick Jones who was a natural left tackle and one of the most athletic, I believe the most athletic left tackle the Steelers have ever had. Right. You do not draft him and have him get work at right tackle. Right tackles are much easier to find. The Steelers probably have two on the roster right now and a core four and uh, more because I do believe more can move to the right side and compete. I do not see, I do not want to see them lining Broderick Jones up at right tackle because right. I just, I just think that is an ultimate in the long run. It's a waste of his talents and I'm afraid it will hinder his development as a left tackle where he is destined to be. So I agree with you. I'm interested to see where they line him up as far as will he be, first string or will he back up Dan Moore to start out, which is what I'm expecting because the Steelers, Tomlin don't just hand you a position. You know, you got to show you're capable. You got to earn it. So I think he will start up as the start out as the number two behind Dan Moore, but I do not want to see him on the right side of the line. Do you think there'll be some split reps between himself and Dan Moore with the first team? And if so, do you think maybe perhaps uh, Dan Moore, also split some reps on the right side. Yeah, now Dan Moore, I think if he doesn't win the left tackle, which I don't think he will to start the season, I think he's the swing tackle. Gotcha. Because I think Corvor will keep the right tackle position. Now, that's just my opinion. And we haven't even hit OTAs yet, so I have nothing to back that up. But <laughs> So I do think that they will be split reps yeah. between Moore and Jones, uh, even at OTAs. And the sooner you can get Jones exposed to Alex Highsmith and whoever else they're going to have coming off that edge, the better. Because he went up against some top-notch talent just at practice at Georgia, not counting the the talent he faced at the SEC. But still, the NFL is a different animal. When guys get to the NFL, that's their life. They eat, drink sleep football uh they don't have to go to class they don't have the distractions and the responsibilities that a college athlete has so that's their job they are a professional so he's going to see things uh alex highsmith is going to show him some things that he hasn't seen at the college level and the sooner he gets you remember what they did to dan moore yeah i mean they put dan moore through the ringer he he got a a crash course by fire during his rookie season uh, at OTAs and a training camp and, and during the preseason. And so, you know, and it showed a lot of mental toughness uh, that he kept fighting and he got through all that because there was times there the first few days of camp that some of the, the local press were saying that Dan Moore was totally overmatched and the Steelers had to bring in somebody or try a core for and left mm-hmm. tackle, but the Steelers stuck with it. They showed faith in more, and I think it's, he's made it pay off. 
Um, so I'd like to see Jones start to get that baptismal by fire as well. Oh, yeah, me too, man. I think that's going to be a great matchup to watch. You know, once they put on the pads, that's when we'll get a real true test to uh, to see what it is that they got going on there. But, you know, Broderick Jones seems like a very physical, nasty type of player that's going to get into, into, uh, into it. So I'm kind of excited to see how, you know, hear the stories, if there's going to be any type of, uh, you know, fighting going on between him and, and, and a Cam Hayward and, a, and mm-hmm. even getting a TJ Watt and Alex Heisman <laughs> jumping in on that. You know, I'm, I'm excited for this year. It's going to be a good year, in my opinion. Uh, you know, another position that's going to be one that a lot of folks are going to be looking at is going to be the strong safety position. You know, we have had our conversations about the, uh, the position as whole. Um, but when they roll out OTAs and the starting defense goes out there to, to line up, who's lining up alongside Minka Fitzpatrick, in your opinion? I would, at this point, I would guess Demonte Kazee. Uh-huh. If you're going to have your starting two safeties, yeah. Even though I consider Kazee a deep safety, which I love him playing half the field, playing deep. He's just got great instincts and range, and he showed last year he's much more physical than I give him credit for, because he's not big. He's not right. a big safety at all. He actually is built like a slot corner. But, boy, he'll come in and lay a lick on you. He's got a little bit of that Mike Hilton dog in him. (laughs) And if he gets a chance to light somebody up, he does. Now, we see him break his wrist in the preseason, (laughs) which, you know, that's concerning. I don't want to see him, you know, there's a time to be real physical, and then there's other times that the Steelers really need him healthy because he's more valuable in that deep coverage. But, um it's, I'm still not sure how they're going to use Neil. Mm-hmm. You know, is, is he going to kind of be a just the box safety and, and actually maybe even act like an off-ball linebacker in certain packages? Because you do not want him matched up one-on-one in coverage. Mm-hmm. So that that's going to be interesting. But starting out in OTAs, I think it will be Fitzpatrick and Kazee. Yeah, I do too. I, I do too. But – you know, I, I start to question, you know, now that you have a, a Keanu Neal, you have a DeMonte Casey, where does Patrick Peterson fall as far as playing some packages at safety when you have safeties that can, you know, as long as they're healthy, mm-hmm. you know, would fit that role? Do you think that maybe perhaps that's not, no longer in the, uh, in the card, so to speak, because of the acquisitions that they've been able to acquire since acquiring Patrick Peterson? Or do you think that you're still going? To, we're still going to see Patrick Peterson play a little bit of safety out there. I'm still not convinced. There's nobody really out on the safety market right now that mm-hmm. I think the Steelers. I still think they'd like to bring in somebody else. Yeah, and it might be when they have this massive cut down day, because now all the cuts are going to come at the end of camp, the end of preseason, and there's going to be a ton of people hit the market at the same time. And it would not shock me in the slightest to see the Steelers, because we know how Con and Weidel have been, how aggressive they've been, and they're 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 going to be staying on top of everything through the preseason, and and I think they will still try to bring in somebody late in the process. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just Peterson to me, when they talk about using him as a safety, 
I think it's more he has got great eyes. He's got right. great vision. If you watch so many of his interceptions, is where he's just reading the play. He, he's kind of got that feel like Fitzpatrick has. He reads the quarterback. He he sees the formation. He has a, a really good knack at guessing tendency based on film study because he's that type of veteran that puts in the time. And I think they want to get him to where he's not always in man or matched up to where he's kind of in the zone. Mm-hmm. And then they then he can use that athleticism plus his experience and his instincts to be another ball hawk like they have with Fitzpatrick and Kazee, because Kazee's really effective playing deep. And, and you know, he led the NFL in interceptions at one point. So they want to have more playmakers. I think that's why they moved away from Terrell Edmonds and the fact that he just doesn't make splash plays. That's not who he is. Not that they didn't value his contributions, but they're really trying to become more of a big play defense. So I think that's when they talk about Peterson getting some work at safety, let's say it's third and long and, you know, they're bringing in a different package. I think they will, they'll try to work Peterson in some of those situations where he can keep the ball in front of him and keep the play in front of him and read it and hopefully make a big play. Right. Oh yeah, for sure, man. Um, Shoot, man, I had a question for you, and I completely forgot what it was. Uh, I got caught up in the comment section. So uh, somebody had asked earlier what our record record prediction was. Um, do you have one? I know it's kind of early, but somebody asking in the comment section, do you have a uh, high and low, how many wins they'll have? How many? What are your highs and lows on that? Well, looking at the schedule, last year – Tomlin did a great job to get nine wins out of the team that had a rookie quarterback start the majority of the year and all the new faces and new places. And um, and especially considering that Watt missed seven full games. This year, you know, it all depends on health. But with all the additions they've made and the talent, I see this as an 11-win team. I think their 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 floor is nine again, hmm. and that would be you know some injuries come up, uh, some guys not panning out like we kind of think they're going to, but I, I see nine wins as the floor. Uh, I see like twelve wins as the ceiling, and I'm thinking that eleven wins, based on the schedule, uh, is is my prediction. Yeah, I, I can see that. You know, I think that my floor is somewhere probably around the nine as well. I think they can get 12. Um, yeah, maybe. The yeah. yeah, I think the ceiling could be 12. Uh, I really do think that this is going to be a very strong team this year. You know, I think they've gotten better in a lot of places, especially offensively. You know, I, I really, really think that a full off season for Kenny Pickett is going to do wonders for his progression compared to where he was last season. Mm-hmm. And if you saw, you know, in my opinion, when I saw his his play at the late end of the season, you know, and what he was able to do and, and win games, given the fact that he was a third-team quarterback going into the season, he was a guy that um, 
you know, was the backup until the dip, most difficult part of the season was up, upon them, mm-hmm. you know, going into Buffalo and, and such and such. And then you find out that, you know, they really didn't have a lot of communication between him and Matt Cannon until he became a starter. And I think a lot of that reasoning was because they were trying to make, uh, you know, Mr. Trubisky that guy, you know, they were trying to, you know, build an offense to him. And yet with that being said, did he have a rough start? Yeah. Yeah, he did. And once they got through the bye and once he got a lot of those um, mistakes out, he didn't very make very many after that. And so, you know, to see what an offseason can do for him, can do for now a third-year um, Najee Harris, Pat Pat Fryermuth, the second-year George Pickens as well, you know, Jalen Warren going into a second year who I think is going to be a, a huge piece to this offense. You know, you get the uh, Darnell Washington as a tight end that you can now put in into places uh, to make the defense, you know, really strategically, you know, pick their poison, so to speak. And then you have the additions to the offensive line. I I don't see how this offense is not going to be significantly better than what they were last season. Uh, I do think that there might be some growing pains there, especially early on, because you got some new pieces. But I think as the season starts to get somewhere around maybe week three, week four, we're really going to see this team start to flourish. And, um, you know, defensively, they they lost a big piece in Terrell Edmonds, in my opinion. You know, I, I think he's the, um, the unsung hero, so to speak, of the defense. And they got some players that they can kind of mix match to put in to kind of fill in what he was able to do. We'll see if it works. Um, you know, the middle linebacker position was overhauled. Um, but you, you have your captains. You have Nika, you have TJ, and you have, you know, Hayward, you know, steering that ship. So with all that said, I think they're gonna they're in great hands. Yeah. So, you know, for all these uh folks that are saying that the uh, Steelers are gonna be uh you know fourth in the division, I'd go take that bet. I'd go take yeah. that bet in a heartbeat that they're not. <laughs> One thing be- that I wanted to mention, if you look yeah. at the schedule. This is something that the Steelers have gotten very lucky through the years. Ben Roethlisberger did not like playing on the West Coast. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was, you know, really, when you look at his record, he's one of the best ultimate winners. Uh, his career record is, like, incredible. But he struggled mightily on the West Coast. And the Steelers, as a franchise... Since the 70s, have struggled on the West Coast. People don't realize that. And thankfully, they don't have to go out there very often. But this year, they have multiple games on the West Coast. I like what the Steelers are doing because the type of offense they're building and the type of defense they're showing us they want to play, travel. It You don't have to have the home field advantage or even the East Coast advantage. That style of play should travel. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking we all we know what happens. The the NFL changes rules, they change safety protocols, the game becomes wide open, scoring goes up, teams are throwing the ball all over the yard, guys break records because it you know now getting five thousand yards ain't a big deal as a passer anymore with the right. way the, the rule changes. But what happens? It evolves. You know, an offensive coordinator out there is like, we're going to go heavy. We're going to pound teams. We're going to start running. We're going to keep the ball away from their offense. 
And you always have those teams. People don't realize the Philadelphia Eagles were a run-heavy team last year. Now, they had the ability to pass, but they won a lot of games by controlling time of possession and running the ball effectively. San Francisco 49ers, same thing. Their passing game was a lot of slants, a lot of shorter stuff. It wasn't explosive down the field stuff. Then the Super Bowl champions, Kansas City Chiefs, what was their offense last year? It wasn't Tariq Hill anymore. They leaned on Mahomes feeding Kelsey. And they had a hodgepodge of receivers. Yeah. But they had, you know, Pacheco in the backfield that, you know, which is a seventh round rookie, but they ran the ball incredibly effective, controlled the, the clock. You know, that you started to see a change in those top teams last year. And especially in the playoffs. And that's how they won playoff games. And of course the Chiefs won it all. So I think we're going to see a shift again to the teams that can control time of possession. You have a really good third down conversion rate and can be successful in the red zone and make their field goal, something the Steelers struggled with last year. You know, Boswell had a down year. That's a formula for winning. Mm -hmm. And it keeps your defense fresh, which is important when you have some older guys like Hayward. And we also want to limit how much exposure to TJ, obviously. So I think we're going to see a, a fundamental shift not just from the Steelers, but from a lot of the NFL this coming season. Uh, we know that Robertson went early in the draft. The first time a running back and went that high in quite a while since yeah. uh, Shane Cohen Barkley. So I think we're seeing it, and I think a lot of people maybe be as slow to adjusting to it. But I think the Steelers have, with when you look at they revamped their middle linebacker position, and they went to a lot of downhill run stuffers, you know, thumpers. And they went big on the outside of the corner. And they're going to try to be much more physical. So I think that's going to help them because the West Coast this year will determine whether they make the playoffs or not. For sure. And, you know, to, to add on to it, you have a team like, for instance, the L.A. Chargers that can throw the ball very well, put themselves in position to win, but cannot control the time of possession. And and they lost a significant amount of games over the last few years. And so, um, you know, I have a good buddy of mine who's a, uh, a diehard Chargers fan, so he's probably <laughs> feeling that jab right there. <laughs> and uh, but, but that's one thing that um, I've talked to him before in the past where, you know, I'll be watching the game with them, and they'll be like the the Chargers will be up by like two possessions with only like six minutes left in the mm-hmm. game, and they're still passing the ball. And even though they got a great running back and have the ability to run the ball, and next thing you know, they go three and out and let the other team get back into the game. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, you have to have that ability and knowledge and and willing to be able to be able to control the ball because if not, you'll end up like that where. You're up by a few scores, but you can't control the time, and you end up losing a, a big lead, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But uh, we're getting kind of close to our time. Do you have any uh, final words there, Shannon, before we let everybody go? No, I'm just uh, – I'm like everybody else. I'm excited about OTAs because uh, that – anytime you start to get to OTAs, you know, we're riding around Memorial Day weekend, and that's when 
you know, we're starting to see the pieces come together. This offseason, Con and Weidel and the newly revamped scouting department have done an awesome job. They put the talent there. They put the depth there. Now it's up to Tomlin and the coaches to utilize and coach these guys up to the best of their ability. And, you know, we're getting so much closer where we can actually – a lot of this is projection, and we're speculating. We're all excited. But when you actually start getting at least to the preseason games, I love it training camp when all the local uh, uh, beat reporters are there and and they're, you know, tweeting out tweets about, oh, this guy looks great or this guy did this. Hey, I love that stuff. That gets me fired up. Yeah. And, you know, last, I remember last year uh, during training camp, it was like this kid, Mark Robinson's making plays. You know, he, he just, He's just quick. He's aggressive. He's, you know, um, and you start saying, Hey, this is a seventh round guy. He might make the roster. Right. And then of course he did. And, you know, and um, so I, I get excited about that. I kind of know what the top of the roster is, but I get excited about the, the bottom of the roster. I get excited about the guys that, that are going to come in and be a contributor like Connor Hayward last year, that a lot of people wasn't expecting. And, that's how teams are won. Championship teams are won because of their depth. And mm-hmm. and because, you know, everybody's got a star here or there, but it's that depth that what wins championships. So I'm excited about the, the Steelers getting back in the playoffs, and that all starts with the OTAs tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. You're absolutely right. It's the first break, you know, to lay down before you can build the house. And so uh, I'm excited as well. I'm excited to see all the – and, you know, little highlight reels that, you know, get put out there on the um, YouTubes and whatnot. You know, you get to see all the uh, little fantastic catches and stuff like that. But you're right. Training camp is when you start getting to see a real get a real feeling for what the uh, the team is going to be in and the direction that they're going to be going. Well, I want to thank everybody that was in our live chat. Thank everybody who uh, uh, tuned in on the replay as well. Please hit that like button. Please subscribe if you're not. But with that being said, Shannon, take us out. Woo!